Guten Tag and Bienvenidos, and thank you, dear listeners, for joining us for another edition of Uber Cinco, the podcast game show where we deep dive top fives. My name is Nathan Hennenfent, and I'll be hosting today's episode in which our contestants will reveal and defend their top five things you watched in quarantine. That's right, it's been over a year of the coronavirus pandemic, and we here at UBK Studios are fully vaxxed and waxed and preparing to return to what passed for our normal social lives. Now that we'll be out of the house and spending less time in front of our beloved screens, what better time than to reflect on the thousands of hours of viewing choices made over the past year? And in the den today is the man who invented the 18-pack beer helmet with catheter attachment just so he didn't have to leave the couch once while getting through Tiger King. It's Mitch Brinkman. Mitch, how are you on this fine morning? Hello. Um, I, I had a I had one hell of a quarantine. I tell you what, um, take that as you will, good or bad. It was both. Uh, but I, I am so ready. I'm so happy and I'm so thankful to talk about TV shows today because during quarantine conversations with friends and family, what did it always go to? It was like, so what's up? Nothing. Okay. What are you watching? And then that's, that's, that's all we talk about. So I'm happy to get back into it and uh, and go over some of my all-time um, uh, one-year depression classics. So here we go. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, taking on Mitch is the man who bought the used security suite from the Bellagio and installed it in his half-finished basement so he could watch 156 screens simultaneously. It's Brian Ernst. Welcome, Brian. And my electric bill is through the roof. <laughs> but it is worth it to watch looped recordings of my vault being robbed because that's all I was able to get was the used footage from Ocean's Eleven. But I will take it. The reception on those things isn't as great as you think. Okay, uh, before we get to the game, if you tuned in last week, you will know that Uber Cinco is the proud sponsor of the no-hit Sherlock softball team out of Elmhurst, Illinois, and we'll, we will be reporting on their progress as the season goes on, and here's a quick recap of game number two. Brian, it happened. Burn the house down, kill all the chickens, suffocate the dog, and toss Graham out the window because the perfect season is over. Our beloved no-hit Sherlock's have fallen to TTF, the team of ringers. How many leagues do these guys play? And my God, six to zero, a real walloping. Please, Brian, put some shine on this turd for me. Yeah, it's, it's so much money on the season. Well, okay, so um, here's a plea out there. Anyone who's listening, if you're looking to invest in a very, very fun softball team, uh, please get a hold of us at bizbear.biz. Uh, we've got some investment opportunities for you. Uh, sadly, that's it for the softball update this week. I put every dollar we have. <laughs> All right, if this is your first foray into the den or if you need a friendly reminder, let's wake you out of hibernation with a quick rundown of the rules. Each player in the den has spent time with today's topic, arranging their top five answers in order of importance. Those answers have been submitted to the host who will moderate the game, awarding points to the player with the most poignant answer. Starting with their number five choice, we'll move up the ranks until we reach each of their top answers. But... If both contestants happen to have the same answer on their list, well, we have an Uber Uber Stare Down. 
you will hear the official Uber Cinco siren, and both players must reveal their answer and what number they ranked their submission. An Uber stare-down is all or nothing, with one player earning three points. After all answers have been read, the host will reveal the final score. Of course, I am entitled to a house rule as the host, which is simple. Speak highly of the greatest piece of entertainment released in quarantine. You get bonus points. Speak ill of it. You will lose them. <laughs> oh. Please remember, you can join in on the fun. If you have a topic or a fast five you would like covered on the show, or if you just have a question for us you would like us to answer, head over to bizbear.biz and send it our way. And don't forget to stick around to the end today for my fast five, where I will rattle off my definitive list of the top five ways my apartment is messy. (laughs) (laughs) So many to choose from. All right. And Brian, over the past year, you hashtagged what you were watching uh, on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook more often than Mitch did. So you have the right to go first. Please reveal and defend your number five. Bringing back hashtag Ernst Thoughts. Great. This is exactly <laughs> what the world needs. What, what uh, was no. the first Ernst Thought ever? What, 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 wasn't it like... Uh... I believe Brian had said, why is my brain so stupid? <laughs> oh, <yes>. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag Ernst Thoughts. Correct. Oh, God, those were inspirational for a solid couple months, I remember. Um, yeah. Well, if people start Wonderful. asking questions on bizbear.biz of where can I get that as an inspirational sign to hang above my kitchen that nobody will read, <laughs> we will make sure to make those in bulk. Uh, so my number five here is the oldest one on my list and is also the most relevant because it was kind of advertised down our throats as being available on streaming platforms. As soon as the pandemic began, it was the inappropriately titled Outbreak from 1995 starring Dustin Hoffman, Morgan Freeman, and Rene Russo. Uh, So I popped this in because, oddly enough, right after this all started, we were kind of like sitting at home and Jenny and I were like, I I know we shouldn't, but I kind of want to watch Contagion. Do you want to watch Contagion? (laughs) So we we watched Contagion and we're like, yeah, this is a good movie. (laughs) After work one day, she was still out because she still had to go to work and I was working from home. I'm like, all right, I'm going to compare it to Outbreak. Let me see if this is this is any good. It is not. But (laughs) it was very, very fun to watch. Um, For those who haven't seen the movie, it opens with an Outbreak somewhere in undisclosed Africa where a bunch of U.S. military soldiers happen to be because of course and an outbreak has happened there and two men in full hazmat suits come in. They seem like they're with the CDC or some virology department of the military to see what's happening and to give all these people hope. Instead, they decide to bomb them into oblivion (laughs) just to stop the spread. Uh, Fast forward, this is happening during like NOM, so Fast forward about 20 years and there is another outbreak that is determined to be from the same virus. Um, Hidden away, the two men in the hazmat suits were Donald Sutherland and Morgan Freeman and they covered up the entire outbreak during NAM by killing US soldiers and innocent Africans. Then on top of that, now they have the solution to what could actually solve (laughs) They have the uh, antidote for what's going on, but they're keeping it a secret just to protect their own asses for what happened during NOM. And then somehow Dustin Hoffman and Cuba Gooding Jr. team up and they have to go find a monkey 
because Brian, Brian, he's Brian, question, what? question. Are, are, are we just giving the, the synopsis of each <laughs> thing we've watched or what's happening here? Have you seen it? I mean, back in the day, but like, what's the big takeaway here? What are we getting to? I'm telling you how stupid it is. Oh, okay. <laughs> because it all culminates in a chicken fight between Dustin Hoffman <laughs> and Cuba Jr. in a helicopter against a U.S. bomber. This is what it all leads to. And they're like, no, you can't drop another bomb on an innocent U.S. city. This helicopter is not moving out of the way, even though your plane could easily just pull up and go around us. That's why I need to give this synopsis, because it leads to the dumbest moment of the entire movie. And then wait, the wait, guys were- when you say Go chicken ahead. fight, they're flying at each other and someone's got to move or the helicopter has gotten into place, which they have stolen. So okay. now that <laughs> and isn't that a plane, dog fight, the plane is just flying right at the helicopter and Dustin Hoffman's like, we're not moving. We're protecting this entire city with a helicopter that you could just go around. <laughs> I really legitimately I had not seen this movie. Wow. I legitimately thought for a second. You were saying it, it ended up in a chicken fight, like like as in a cockfight where one of them had been infected. And if it <laughs> won, it would, the other one would be taken back to a, a distant village and then the virus would spread further. Also, why I, why did you, I, I don't, you, the, the pandemic had started. You watched one movie about a pandemic and then you're like, well, we better watch it. Why didn't you just watch the news? This was, the, it was happening all the time and you needed more? Like, I, I couldn't handle it. It was too much. Because news is 24 hours. I need it condensed to two hours so I can go about my day. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to see how bad could this movie be from, like, it was like kind of a, I don't know if it was like a hit at the time. Either way, it's only got a six out of 10 on IMDb. It's, it doesn't have a huge, great record for it. But the fact, I think the phrase I was looking for is they were playing chicken, but they were in a dog fight. Not oh, a chicken okay. fight. <laughs> <laughs> Although yeah, a chicken fight would have been great. But yeah. synopses aside, that's what it leads to. And the guys who are flying the plane just decide, we're going to drop the bomb over the water instead and defy orders and save the town. And then everyone yeah. just, yeah. And that Woo. gives them enough time to develop the antidote and everyone's saved. And it was like, Woo. all right, this is... Whatever. So it wasn't it wasn't a long, drawn out, slow process of uh, people not cooperating with health and safety guidelines and, and vaccinations being rolled out slowly and businesses reopening slowly and people losing their jobs. And it wasn't like that. No, it wasn't a documentary. <laughs> oh, it was OK. <laughs> okay. Oh, it was yeah. basically an allegory for how bad the U.S. government would be during an... Oh, it was a documentary. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> I'm just making that connection. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. Well, well, that was a, a bizarre masochistic choice, but uh, also fitting. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mull that over. Mitch, over to you for your number five. Sure. Uh, and you guys know I love on this show, you know I love plugging uh, small business. And so today... I'm wearing a hat, uh, one of my favorite small businesses, the state of Florida. Guys, uh, if you haven't been, check it out. Uh, they've got sun, they've got surf, they've got palm trees, and they've got, they have an amusement park down there, uh, a couple of them, I believe. Um, they got a couple of professional sports teams. Um, and it's the one place during the quarantine where I both didn't want to be and wanted to be all at once, uh, which is kind of a you know fun, interesting little tidbit there. So Florida, go for the oranges. Uh, leave because of the people. Okay, my number five. <laughs> I was um, going to say, and you're yelling at me for wasting time. Jesus Christ. All right, <laughs> continue. 
Uh, my number five is um, not something that I watched in sequential order, and that that is Chicago PD reruns on <laughs> USA Network. <laughs> nice. These were these were my favorite to drop into. I never started and finished a single episode. I always drop in for about fifteen minutes. Um, I, I get to watch uh, Detective. Uh, Voight, Hank Voight, played by uh, Jason Begay, as he'd be, you know, like in a school trying to get like a 14 year old to put down an Uzi and don't and like not shoot all like the cafeteria workers um, while there's, you know, other the other detective characters are crawling in through the the the, the ducks or whatever. And he'd be like, come on, kid, we get out of here and I can I can save you from all this stuff. And I just chuckle because Jason Begay is just a silly was Silly that Christian boys. Bale who played that uh, from, uh, from he, The Dark Knight? He, if he hadn't been so old, he would have been a great, <laughs> great Batman. Absolutely. Um, and then if I'm lucky enough to catch an earlier uh, episode from one of the first three seasons and you get Jason Begay, Detective Hank Voigt, and Sophia Bush, Detective Aaron Lindsay in the same episode, and she has the ultimate vocal fry party girl voice. Where she is like, hi, I'm Sophia Bush. And then he's like, I'm Jason Begay. And then it's just like a low-talking growl <laughs> face-off in a scene. Um, and it's always in the backdrop. You're always like, oh, I think I know that apartment building. Or, uh, oh, I've had a burger or a euro there once. So it's a fun show to watch living in Chicago. Um, uh, you, you get to see your neighborhoods uh, on screen. And then, of they, course, they too. Did, uh, they did shoot right behind my apartment here. And I interject with a quick story about that. It was the sure. middle of the winter during a snowstorm, and my car was completely snowed in, hopeless, no way I could get it, get it out. And so I just, I was like, well, it's just lost till the snow is gone. And then I see, I come home, and all the trucks and everything for filming Chicago PD is there on the street where I had parked. And so they had, they had removed all of the cars. They towed all of the cars that were there. And I was like, oh, this is bad. But they had just like relocated them to other places in the neighborhood. But I was like, ah, well, at least I don't have to to dig my car out. <laughs> so then the, the next morning I go like I I can't remember. They, they're I, I somehow had they had like gotten the address to me of like where the, the car would be. So it was a couple blocks yeah. away. I went over there and like snow had been plowed and everything. And they had somehow extricated my car from its spot and moved it to an entirely different spot and not an ounce of the snow that was covering it had moved. It was completely <laughs> still ensconced in snow, but just three blocks away. So, yeah. I was I was pissed. Anyways, what? continue. <laughs> well, I, you know, this, this is the power of the PD production, you know, monster. They can go wherever they want in the city. They get access to, to whatever business, whatever bar, whatever landmark they want. So they have, you know, PD, drop in, catch 15 minutes at a time. It's a fun show for about that long, and then you want to leave again, <laughs> you know, because there's commercial breaks. Um, and if you have any friends that are actors or improvisers in this town, uh, it's fun because any anyone worth their, their weight in beans, you know, at least gets on one episode. Uh, so that's kind of cool to see. I think a couple um, of our former guests on the show have have either on Chicago PD or Chicago Fire or Chicago yeah. Med or or Chicago yeah. No Smoking Within Conjunct 15 Feet of Building. Or, yes. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've had um, people and, and, on that show. Yeah, and PD is not the original. Chicago Fire came first, but I prefer cops. I don't I don't care as much for the for the for the drama and the soapiness of the firehouse. I like you know cops following cases, stopping kids from using guns, um, 
and uh, you know, getting some beers afterwards. So Chicago PD, that's my number five. Uh, I'll You've described Florida. every cop show of all time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, no, no, I think that's just Chicago PD. Just Chicago PD. <laughs> like, that's, a, that's a Dick Wolf original. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna score this round out, uh, Brian, for uh, Outbreak. Um, it's just kind of an obvious choice. I mean, it's so it's utterly ridiculous and also depressing. So I don't know where you're coming with. So, and Mitch, if you keep flashing that one at me, I'm going to give him two points. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I am going to give him one point. And then Mitch, I was I was only going to give you one point, but I see a certain sadness that you just you missed the city of Chicago. Yet it was it was just right outside your door, but you couldn't go express it. So I'm going to give you a sympathy two points. Uh, for Thank your, you. Bullshit. <laughs> and then uh, we're going to head back over to Brian for his number four. All right. My number four, I believe. Oh, it's not. It is one of three miniseries on my list. So uh, this is a Apple Plus original. This is Defending Jacob, which is starring Chris Evans as a DA who is the father of a child who's accused of murder. Um, in the same, obviously, county where he practices. Um, the reason why anything made my list, it's anything that stuck with me. So either for being good or for being bad, I've thought about it for a lot after watching it. So Outbreak, I thought about how bad it was. <laughs> this one, I'm thinking about how engrossed I became. And I think it was only about seven episodes. And it's from Mark Bomback, the guy who's really known for like a lot of the Planet of the Ape movies he wrote and kind of the one of the diehard sequels of some kind. So this is kind of like a departure, but this was pretty heavy drama, but it was kind of a whodunit type thing. So there's like this little bit of a Agatha Christie vibe in a modern setting. Um, and what I like about it is it kind of still leaves you feeling unsettled after the fact. So um, the kid is accused of killing a, a classmate who is found in the woods. Yeah. And his story starts to add up that he wasn't there. And then all of a sudden, again, starts to add up that maybe he was there. The kid's acting weird. He does a lot of stupid things throughout it that really don't help his case. And then obviously it all culminates in the trial. Um, but it's just an odd way of looking at the story it really it's really really good i highly recommend it and i don't want to spoil too much because if you haven't seen it i think actually nathan would enjoy this but uh yeah be prepared to be left with the feeling of like oh i don't know what to believe and i kind of like those endings sometimes when they're done right when they're done for shock value or something that's not as fun that's not great but uh yeah it's it's really really good and i highly recommend it Unfortunately, it's on Apple Plus, and like, who has Apple Plus, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, pretty much everybody else who has rock. Apple products, except you two idiots, <laughs> we're sitting there with Androids, like fucking <laughs> assholes from two thousand nine. Uh, oh wow! The, I'm sorry, I'm on update KitKat or update Snowflake or whatever you guys have on your stupid things. Yeah, I'm an Ryan, Apple fanboy. I'm a I, snob about it. I don't care. I think you should have put Fox News on your list here. It sounds like Brian. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, you've you've yeah. changed in quarantine, my man. You've grown aggressive. I'm pretty sure Fox News hates Apple as much as everybody else. But also, I'm I, defending Apple. I hate to pop your bubble here, but by the hard numbers, uh, the majority of cell phone users are Android users. So I'm sorry, but what you just said was factually inaccurate, which should result in a low score. Correct, Nathan? 
Uh, <laughs> I am changing the subject back to TV shows. Um, <laughs> I do see, I do see, old friend of the show, and by that I mean guy we like. J.K. Simmons is in this. He is fantastic in it. He plays um, Chris Evans's estranged father, who is in prison for life for murder. So. That kind of comes out a few episodes in, and you're like, "Oh, does murder run in the family?" And that kind of the the weight of public opinion starts reflecting into the show. He is menacing in this role. He is he's got maybe twelve minutes of screen time across all the episodes, but when he is on screen, he is he is he's terrifying. I've definitely but, seen uh, him play a terrifying prisoner before. Yeah. Uh, yes, it's a lot of a lot of ahs in there. <laughs> it's real good. Oh dear. Oh dear. Uh, well, Mitch, it's yeah. your turn for your number My, four. Yeah, mine. I, I'm just like I. I can't believe I. I, I didn't think it was going to be this much of a cakewalk. Like I didn't think my cat <laughs> would be just littered with princess torts and lemon drizzle cakes and German chocolate slices. Just to the sky for me but my number four is just a goddamn fun adrenaline machine it is f1 drive to survive on everyone's favorite streaming platform netflix (laughs) oh yeah baby this show puts you right in the cockpit of f1 cars it is freaking dope you're going 230 miles an hour at the monaco grand prix you're hugging the corners you're smelling the gas you're feeling the squeech of the tires and there are some great characters to go along with it. They don't follow the top team, which is Mercedes. Just They just win, 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 win. You got Lewis Hamilton and uh, Valtteri uh, Botas, I think his name is, uh, from the 2018 season. They're barely in this show. We're following like the guys who are in the middle of the pack and down. And um, Daniel Ricciardo, he's my favorite Aussie on the show. It's my, sorry for the accent, everyone. Um, <laughs> and then his his rival on his own team, on the Red Bull team, Max Verstappen, who's this like born with a silver spoon in his mouth little shit from uh, the Netherlands. And of course, and everyone lives in Monaco, technically, you know, taxes suck. So, um, and they all make a, a boatload of cash. So, but, but they're on their own team. They actually make each other crash at one point. They hate each other so much and they're on the same goddamn team. Like if that is not a documentarian's wet dream, I don't know what is. Um, but what what's really kind of fascinating about this show is that there's so much money that goes into these teams. Like these teams are spending eight, $900 million a year to prepare one or two cars for these races. And I think there's like maybe max like 25 races in a year, I think, on the F1 circuit. And they're all different tracks in different countries, right? Correct, yes. So so they go all over the world. Um, It's exotic. It's sexy. You know, there's giant bottles. There's champagne everywhere. Um, Everyone's in cool clothes. Um, And, but, so they put all this money and they put all this time and there's like, you know, 15 or 20 mechanics making sure the engine is tuned just right to hear that, blah, 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 you know, that beautiful hum of that of that V6 turbocharged engine. And then it goes blah, 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 this beautiful. It's that power. It's that power just coming to the surface. But then what, what always fascinates me and makes me think, like, why are they doing this? Is it all goes into the hands of an egomaniacal 22-year-old who's got to drive this car, you know? And... I don't know. Do you really have to be in incredible shape to drive an F1 car or do you just have to be used to high speeds? Because 
part it's of just me thinks the tightest sphincter you can possibly imagine. That's <laughs> yeah, what I right? like, <laughs> like, are you, like you just have to be not afraid of dying enough to like fucking go for it, you know? And so I don't know, like part of me thinks like, why not put this in the hands of people who've been driving for at least two decades, you know? And most of the drivers come up from, you know, um, their, their fathers are drivers. They grew up in the business uh, because it's very expensive to develop into an F1 driver. But then all this money, then in one second can just be boom, it's gone, and it turns into a pile of smashed metal. When a, again, a 21 year old with a hard on for victory doesn't like that his teammate is trying to inch up on him, so then he goes for a block, and then it all goes haywire. You know, so that like that part of this is hard for my brain to like wrap around it because there's so much money and so much investment, and it can all just go up in a cloud of smoke in, in, in a moment's notice. And then when that happens too, like some of the lower the lower teams, your Williams, your your Renault, um, uh, your Force India in this season, like a couple bad mistakes in a row can end up in like them having to go find emergency financing, or like the the team is at peril, and then all those jobs are all of a sudden on the line. So it's or it's, or you know it's high stakes could... racing and it's high stakes finance all at once. It's my favorite. It's so good. So well, also, also they could like. Aside from the millions of dollars and everything, they could, you know, yeah. die. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, the racers also could, die. Uh, they could literally die, and many have. Yeah. Yeah. There, there, there are a couple death um, storylines in the show, but uh, but you Ugh. see them, you know, uh, going going across, around the world. You see some of their daily lives and everything, and how they have to prepare and the silly high level video video game um, like VR experiences they do to like prep for races and stuff. Oh and uh yeah so. this sounds like i would hate it so much if i tried <laughs> to sit that? down and watch it i don't I, I i recently watched rush the the ron howard movie about the whatever the guys from the 70s or whatever and that's my Lauda. first it, yep. yeah and my first inkling in the f1 because i've never been into any racing of any kind since i had mm-hmm. nascar 2000 for n64 just because I had the steering wheel. Other than yeah. that, I, like, there was no real need for me to care about all this. And then I watched that movie and I cared even less because I was like, everybody in this who gets in these cars is dumb because you know that your chances of survival are so low. What would make me want to watch F1 is if they were all overweight guys from Wisconsin that had to drive these cars. <laughs> that would make me so involved in this. Like one, how do they get in and out of the car? There, that's the most fascinating part of the show. There is an entire sport in America that's much closer to what you're describing, Brian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and score this round out. And, and so, Mitch, you're surprisingly yeah. going to get three points for this. And it's it's it was a compelling uh, argument for this. And I normally, like Brian, would not. I'm not a, a racing fan, but. Due to past experience, I believe I could be sold on this because I have seen the documentary Senna about Ayrton Senna, the Formula One race driver, and it is a beautiful movie. Yeah. Um, and so I think maybe I could get into this too. So I'm going to go ahead and give you three points. Thank and then Brian, so I'm going to give you I'm going to give you two points. Um, oh, the show sounds like it sounds like a lot of the British crime shows I watch, and not really an American one. And it has J.K. Simmons. So for showing me a a murder mystery with J.K. Simmons, I didn't know existed. Uh, that's going to get you some credit. Uh, nobody has come close to recommending anything like the greatest piece of quarantine uh, entertainment that was released oh. yet. But Nathan, uh, don't worry, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but let's let's move on. We're going to go back to Brian for number three. All right, I'm going to change up the pace a little bit with another murder mystery. <laughs> number three. <laughs> 
Another mini series, another murder mystery. Obviously, I am a uh, a single woman in their twenties listening to true crime <laughs> podcasts a lot. Um, I'm going to go with the most recent thing on my list, and it's called Sasquatch, which was on Hulu, a three part series that I quite enjoyed. Um, long story short, you think it's about lore and the myth of Bigfoot up in Northern California, uh, and it quickly dives into a true crime whodunit. Oh my God, what the hell happened? Um, it's only three episodes, so it's a pretty low lift, but I like how the first one dives in the lore and try and hook people who are there for Bigfoot stories and they interview uh, the guys who got the, the the famous that you think is Bigfoot walking through the woods footage and they're so convinced that that's who it is. But mm-hmm. um, so diving into the lore is really cool, but it leads to a story that we're following around this uh, investigative reporter who's actually going to there to investigate a story he heard when he visited the area when he was in his 20s of a murder of three Hispanic guys that seemed to be torn apart by a Sasquatch. Um, it doesn't, yeah, that's what he is there. And when he was there, he was with a bunch of tweakers, as he calls them. The story was told to him by somebody who was high on meth. And then they all kind of forgot about it. And now it's 25 years later and the story keeps like popping up in his mind. And he was like, I wonder if that had any, there was any legitimacy behind that story. And he goes back to the region and basically finds out that there was a murder of that kind. And that lore is still kind of hanging around, but it wasn't a Sasquatch. People are starting to remember somebody in the Hell's Angels or somebody that may have done this to scare people away. So it is quite uh, a roller coaster ride. And uh, I watched a lot of dark stuff. <laughs> yeah. That's been a theme of everybody I've talked to. Like I was with a group of people the other day that... Uh, everybody was talking about the, like the they're like oh this 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 true crime documentary was awesome and i'm like awesome like is that the word we want to use for uh, a guy throwing his awesome. wife and children into oil vats or whatever that one happened to be <laughs> yeah uh it was it, it was compelling to watch yes but uh yeah, yeah th- i found this one extremely compelling and i'm still thinking about it because of how it starts as one thing and ends as something completely different I thought that was cool for a three-episode arc. Um, it shot really cool. Um, and uh, the main character we follow, this investigative reporter, the guy's, like, embedded himself with Nazis before to get, like, inside stories. And the guy's kind of fearless when it comes to this stuff. How but old is this guy? He, he's, like, neo-Nazis in America. Like, not, like, oh, Nazis in okay. Germany. <laughs> okay. like, Holy shit, that's an old dude. <laughs> no, so sorry, but sorry. Like specificity of language helps. I'm 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 a gullible person. Sorry, I'm clearly. Me. I think I'm <laughs> watching cockfights and guys who can time travel this whole time. Well, chicken fight isn't a term. Let's. I mean, it's a cockfight or it's a dog fight. Chicken fight. That was a. You know, I'm just okay. I going. already know I'm not gonna win today, so I'm just clearly just gonna throw out my opinions and say fuck it. You're ignoring. You're ignoring my uh, offer of bonus. Yeah, points. I was gonna say. Just yeah, the offer of bonus. Blade. Blatantly, there to grab, blatantly off, ignoring it. I, I am because I have things to say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, that's I made my list mainly because how it went from completely unbelievable to something that definitely could have happened. And uh, I, uh, I don't. Know, I think l- anything that sur- surrounds lore and myth stuff like that. 
Like there's obviously always going to be some sort of legitimate explanation. And the fact that you can go from one end to the other, I find very compelling. Did you ever see the movie The Last Broadcast? It came out in the late 90s, right around the time the Blur Witch Project did, like slightly before. I don't, I have not. It covers almost identical territory, um, except it takes place in New Jersey with the Jersey Devil. <laughs> and oh, yeah. it turns and, well, I don't, the movie is so, so cheaply made that <laughs> yeah. it's really pretty bad and cringeworthy but it has a the twist at the end is really clever so i'm not going to give it away but um it's it's sort of like a narrative version of what you described so that's so yeah that that uh that, that was a pretty compelling uh case you just made there also it reminded me of one i watched in quarantine which was murder among the mormons which is also a three point or three part true crime series mm-hmm. which starts as one thing sets it up about fraudulent historical documents and turns into something completely different by the end so uh but anyways we got to move over to mitch for his number three yeah my my number three is actually a sports one uh two sports ones in a row here and this i think is the unequivocally the best media that was put out in quarantine nathan i'm looking at you here this was on (laughs) on the icn network uh the indiana corn network and it was the last jig. This is all about the incredible <laughs> uh, career of Reggie Miller, how he was the best shooting guard to ever play in the NBA, uh, just ever. He's number one guy. Um, and he had and the best hair. He had the best I, I already, I've already written down minus shoes. three, so I don't know how far ah, you're going to take this joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, well, my, my, my number three, uh, you guys know I love to cook. This is, this is uh, my no- real number three is Jay uh, Kenji Lopez-Alt's YouTube channel and specifically his GoPro cooking show. It is the best way to learn how to cook. He makes highbrow stuff, he makes lowbrow stuff, everything in between. If you have no idea how to cook, this is where you should go and watch because he has a GoPro on his forehead and you can see him prepare the entire dish. So there's step by step, he explains it. Um, he's a former uh, food writer and I believe he was also worked on the staff for Alton Brown's show. So he understands the science behind food as well. So like today I learned about like the, the uh, when tomatoes grow larger, there's like uh, it, like integral calculus that somehow uh, is a part of determining how good a tomato is going to be based on its shape and size and that kind of thing. So you learn a bunch of shit along the way, but you learn how to make some great food too. So in quarantine, of course, everyone was learning to do sourdough bread. I'm not a sourdough bread guy, um, but what I did was I started making really amazing, super fast mac and cheese uh, and the secret evaporated milk. That's all I'm gonna say. Go watch the video, check it out. Uh, you're welcome. Also, last episode we mentioned I love making quesadillas. I got a new twist on a quesadilla, sauerkraut quesadillas. Cheese, sauerkraut, pickled peppers, it's amazing. Again, it sounds awful. Try it. It's amazing. You're welcome. I'll Again, pass. Um, <laughs> no, you won't. You won't. I'll make it for you. You'll go, thank God, why didn't I eat this sooner? But the thing I love most about Jay Kenji, though, is that he some of his videos, he does late night dishes. So it'll be like a late night egg and bean burrito. He talks zero during these. You just hear him like... <sighs> breathing or he'll stop and like drink his whiskey drink or his beer or he'll like stop in the middle and go open another beer and you know take take a glug but so like you see him make this like incredible drunk food in the middle of the night um like a like uh an egg sandwich all in one pan with like egg muffins that like he does this incredible egg flip thing where it all just boop 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 like comes together right in one pan um so uh for for those of you out there who love to cook who can cook or who can't cook at all 
go to J. Kenji Lopez Alt's YouTube channel, subscribe, and you will improve your food life immediately. There's my number three. Thank you very much. All right. Well, for uh, I, I am going to check this out. Uh, yeah, do it. I am going to check this out because, as you know, I'm not the most talented in the kitchen. does seem like mm-hmm. I'll be able to learn something. However, I am offended by the idea of me actually having to do work and not just microwave some stuff at 2 in the morning <laughs> when I'm drinking whiskey. So I can only give you two points. Uh, Brian, I'm actually going to give you three points because I am going to watch this Sasquatch one. It reminded me of some other cool stuff. I'm definitely checking that out. So three points to Brian, two points for Mitch. Brian, back over to you for number two. Uh, quick follow-up to Sasquatch. I found that the, the ratings are so low. People people were so upset that it wasn't just about Bigfoot the whole time. So I keep giving it low ratings. <laughs> How dare it lure me in with something I like and be something more compelling. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Uh, number two, I have a feeling here that Mitch is going to agree with me on and have some things to say mm-hmm. because this stuck with me as much as the Noah Wiley ER episode has stuck with you, Nathan, Ugh. but in a different way. This is The Haunting of Hill House. Oh. Um, this show, I don't watch a lot of horror. I don't like a lot of horror. This, though, creeped me out to my bones. Um, I also loved its ability to jump back between times simultaneously. Um, It keeps going back between an entire family as the kids are adults, flashing back to this one summer that they lived in Hill House and all the things that happened in between. But it's a ghost story. It's kind of a murder mystery. It's kind of supernatural in the way all things are connected. Um, The house is almost like a living thing as a character in the show. And there are just some very specific images and or characters that like are just like kind of burned into my brain. Um, There's this tall, creepy guy in a bowler hat. He's super, super lanky and he has like a trench coat on, but he's always floating like six inches above the floor. And his feet are completely exposed. Mm-mm, and no, they're you. just like, yeah, it is just not fun. And he's like jiggling a handle <laughs> trying to get into the kids room. And oh, it's just God. like, ah! and the kid goes and hides into the bed. And then all of a sudden you just kind of see the hand reach down right underneath oh. the bed and curl. And he's gonna about to peek. And you're just like, I God. But the story is so fucking good that you need to know what happens. And I've never watched anything that gives me the heebie-jeebies and keeps me completely locked in to see what's going to happen at the same time. Um, plus, you have a, a, a grown-up Elliot from E.T. and Henry Thomas as, as the father. Oh, yeah. You have Carla Gugino um, from Son-in-Law fame. I, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard about that movie in a while. Yeah, so I'm trying to think. What's the first thing I saw Carla Gugino in? Yeah, Son-in-Law. Um <laughs> So them two as the mother and father of this family is actually really good and um, they work well together. But it's like there's so much I could dive into this story that I don't want to because one, I'm not going to do it justice. And two, everything kind of leads to something else. And it's like there's almost this happy ending that's kind of a relief Mm. that is completely opposite of defending Jacob or Sasquatch. It does go somewhere completely different. But even though I've been creeped out this entire time, the ending is actually semi-uplifting 
and happy and just is the perfect button to the story that I never thought I was going to get from this genre that I don't really like. Mm -hmm. But I was completely hooked. And not only am I always creeped out, uh, fantastic storytelling and this this better not be rambling. this better not be a ploy by you to get me to watch this show and then there is no uplifting ending and you're just gonna be cackling <laughs> cackling in your basement when you know when I text you say Brian god damn you and I'm hiding under the bed for the next six months I, I would do a ploy like that because it would be hilarious but I am not doing that now because I actually really 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 did enjoy this and uh, there was the follow-up um, was it the haunting of Bly Manor, which was, I mean, they're, they're treating the, it's they're two separate mini series, but it's kind of like an anthology where it's the same cast as different characters. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, this one was was really really good. I think this one came out first, and Bly Manor was second. But this one was really 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 great. Okay, okay. It, it, so. it was fun. It was really fun to search for. Also, there's sort of like little Easter egg ghosts and creepy ass like ghouls yes. throughout. Where like. It wasn't in the middle. It wasn't like in the focal point of the of the frame. But like, if you went back, you'd see there's like just a little face, like like comes out of a closet a little bit or something. Oh, Jesus, like that. But, but, <laughs> yeah. no, but you don't. But you don't see Creepy. it while you're watching it. You yeah, actually you have to like go and watch a YouTube video afterwards and yeah. see how many of these things they actually planned. Wow. To sneak into the show because it's about several different types of people who have passed through this house over the years. Yeah. And some of them are like, after you see it, you're like, how did I not see that? It's yeah. pretty blatant. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's creepy. It's uplifting. It's weird. It's it's awesome. I love it. Okay. All right. I, I have an idea of where I'm going to go with my scoring for this. But first, I got to hear what Mitch has to say for his number two. Yeah, of course. Um, mine is, um, it, it's not dark at all. This is, <laughs> this is uplifting, sun-filled. Um, science fiction at this point um, <laughs> and that is the West Wing um, we started the West Wing in quarantine it is a behemoth of a show seven seasons 20 plus episodes per season 42 minutes per episode um, it's you know Aaron Sorkin soaring optimistic rhetoric uh, progressive but not too progressive um, and uh, you know, you get Martin Sheen, you get uh, Allison Janney, Rob Lowe for the first chunk of it, um, Bradley Whitford, Dulé Hill, um, who else comes in there? Uh, uh, Josh Molina replaces Rob Lowe. So, but West Wing is one of those early on in the show. It was one of those nice tonic poured over yourself. It's like a warm honey blanket where episodes don't necessarily connect to each other. They're nice capsule. Um, uh, little things to swallow and just feel warm. And uh, there's there's quick snappy dialogue, of course, it's Sorkin. Um, and there's like a lull in about, was it season five or something when Sorkin had famously left the show. They didn't really know where they're going, but then towards the end, they finally find a North Star and that is bringing Jimmy Smith to, uh, they, they did kind of the Obama story before Obama and he's this unlikely um, minority candidate who has this flashpoint moment um, in the um, in the primary season and captures the imagination of of the uh, public and uh, and rises to the top of the you know to or well gets to the mountaintop if you will so um, it was a really nice button ending to the show um, Martin Sheen uh, just doing his like you know folksy grandpa I went to Notre Dame um, I'm smarter than everyone and I'm gonna yell facts at people until they get annoyed 
um, works pretty well throughout the, throughout the show. Um, there's also a classic West Wing writing um, uh, happening or the paradigm. I don't know if that's the right word, but where certain characters just leave the show and they don't write them off. They don't mention them ever again. It's just like next season, they're just not there and they just don't ever... They just disappear. So um, that that's like a fun thing to track throughout uh, the series. And then you like you you Google it and you find out they got paid more money to go do a you know guest starring role on like Brothers and Sisters or whatever other like Jenna Elfman ABC comedy was on in the early two thousands. So, um, but yeah. So yeah, The West Wing. It was it was wonderful. While it was happening, but I was really happy it was over. Uh, I, I sort of felt released from this prison of like a hug from your grandma for six months straight. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was also that was 108 hours of entertainment you consumed there, Mitch. So I just want a quick math bonus. Oh, and just want to make quick sure math bonus. Math. There you yeah. go. All right, good for quick you. Math. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, well, I would say also this is kind of like um, it's kind of like Chicago PD or your Law and Orders, where like every single person you've ever seen has like a one guest star on this show. Like tons of <laughs> oh that guy, that lady happens throughout the show. So that's kind of fun. Nice. All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and score out round number two, Brian. I was I was only going to give you two points because I just I, I'm thinking about if I'm in quarantine watching this, life is already terrible. I'm afraid to leave the house. Everything sucks. Uh, you know, I'm afraid of the political climate. I'm afraid of everything. Do I need to be more scared? But then you told me that there was that ray of hope at the end, which maybe that's just what we all needed. So I'm going to go ahead and give you three. And then, uh, Mitch. I mean, West Wing is. Uh, Seems like it's a classic. I know so many people have rewatched it over and over again. Uh, you know, the that was a beautiful analogy, the warm hug from grandma that lasts an uncomfortable <laughs> six months long. I mean, it's, it, it, it sounds it sounds great. I know it. I know it's a great show. I've never watched it, but you, you didn't push me over the edge to watch it. So I'm going to give you give you two points. And oh. that's going to bring us to our number ones. Oh, man. Oh, and baby. Brian, Brian, you will unleash first. I shall. Uh, this is a, the only Oscar-nominated film that's on my list. This is one that came out that was available for an award this year. Um, Mortal I find Kombat. it very odd. I, I, didn't, I didn't put any <laughs> comedies on my list. Now looking at that, I wonder why. I feel like when it came to comedy, I was re-watching everything. If I wanted something funny, I was re-watching It's Always Sunny. If I was watching blah, 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 it was this. But... <laughs> My number one is Sound of hashtag, Metal. Hashtag Ernst Thoughts. If I was watching blah, 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 it was this. <laughs> it was this. <laughs> Make sure everyone writes that down. You can follow uh, Brian at uh, whatever his thing is. <laughs> sound of Metal is my number one. Oh, Sound of Metal. Sound of Metal. It was wonderful. Uh, yes, Reese Ahmed as a metal drummer who loses his hearing, also an addict. Um, Fantastic story, fantastic sound design, uh, heart-wrenching, uplifting, kind of all the same territory I've been hitting in some of the other ones. But I, this was a movie I put off because I didn't think, I felt like I had to be in the right headspace to watch. And then when I put it on, I just kind of got sucked in. And it's probably the only drama or so of something I've seen in the last year or so that I'm like, I kind of want to go back and rewatch that again because I liked it so much. Um, and even though I saw it pretty recently, I'm like, I, I still want to give that another view. Um, the way it 
kind of like how I liked Haunting of Hill House, switching between time periods. I liked how this switched between point of view versus the hearing versus the non-hearing. And uh, he is so good at playing somebody who's so completely frustrated with the situation, like most of us would be. And not only is he losing just something that we generically, obviously we just need for life that we're so accustomed to, it's his entire livelihood that goes away too. So it's not like, I mean, he makes money traveling, playing in a metal band. He's not going to have that anymore. He can't even have a conversation with his girlfriend anymore. He can't do all these little things. And it really starts to add up where you really don't think about that as much. After the movie, I was reflecting on a lot of things. I was like, man, I've got it really good. This is this is horrifying. I would never want to go through this. And I think the most heart-wrenching scene of the entire movie is he sells everything, he gets the cochleas, and when they get turned on, they're just not what he's expecting. Of course, you as the audience are also expecting those implants go on, and you're like, oh, he's going to hear exactly like he could before. And it's basically a bad radio reception at best. And getting used to that being your perfect realm of hearing is is just kind of horrifying. And the book ending the movie with the loudest, craziest metal music you can hear in your face. You're at the drum set. It is hitting you. Then going all the way to the end and ending in complete silence and just kind of accepting where you are. I thought it was just an awesome arc. Um, so that's it. My number one, Sound of Metal. I, um, I went to go watch this on Amazon the other day. And then I realized, and I felt like I had remember seeing the first minute or two. And then I went to, and it said, as I scrolled up to it, it said, watch again. And the blue line was all the way across. So apparently I turned this movie on at like two in the morning and then just <laughs> fell asleep and it played in front of me. Yes. So I, I, I've seen like 15 seconds of it, but I, I will be going back to watch it. Yeah, I highly recommend it. I thought it was... Uh, it does. It's obviously. It doesn't seem like a very expensive movie, but it's just well done with what you're given, and how much you can do with just the soundtrack is is really impressive. So, highly recommend it to anybody who's listening. All also, right, to beautiful. highlight a uh, a Chicago theater veteran, uh, Paul Race, the guy who runs the know, like addiction or like a group farm or whatever that he goes to, he is just trans- transcendent in his scenes. The the amount of uh, emotion and and stories in in the lines of his face are incredible. So um, yes, yeah, can't recommend his 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 stuff enough. All right, well we are almost at the end of the game, so I'm just saying that bonus points are uh, it's sure. very going to be time is running out. It's it's almost yep. like it's the fourth quarter and yep. the clock is ticking down to get or lose those bonus points. But Mitch, you're you're mm-hmm. up for your number one. So my number one is. Um, if if the greatest piece of quarantine media happened on this on the high seas, this is this is what my number one is, <laughs> and this is the incredible reality show called Below Deck and Below Deck Med. <laughs> this is on Below Bravo. <laughs> uh, this came from the mind of Andy Cohen. He was on Diane von Furstenberg's yacht. He saw the crew, all the soapy uh, ins and outs, and the and the what have yous, um, and the and the cat fights, and the and the ego struggles, and he's like, this would be a great show. And turns out, I am not a reality show guy normally, but this is a great reality show. And I think first off, it's because it's not just about them being on the show; they have a job to do as well. So that's part of it. And so it's all about super yachts in either the Caribbean or the Mediterranean. 
Um, you've got a number of positions. You got your chef, you got your chief stew, you got two stews below. You've got the lead uh, deckhand, aka the bosun, and then um, some other uh, like three other deckhands, and then the captain of the ship, of course. So this is the setup of the show. Um, it's seasonal work. So basically, they're working uh, three days on, like twelve hours off for like three months straight. It's a sprint. It's grueling. They're in tight quarters. Um, my favorite uh, character on the show is is Kate. Uh, she's on below deck um, in the Caribbean. She's sort of your your Michael Jordan um, of the show. Uh, she knows when to give praise, when to take it away. Um, she can always rise to the moment and uh, and deliver that incredible service when the guests re- require it. Uh, but another great aspect of the show is they have different guests every show. Um, people charter this yacht so you get some really weird insane rich people who say things like um um i don't want any garlic in my food and and i hate white fish and then the chef is like okay well you can't make fish without garlic and then they just put garlic in anyway and it's white fish still and they're like this is incredible you know and like just morons um uh, uh world world series champion johnny damon comes on one episode with with his friends and let me tell you what Johnny Damon has a friend who is a surgeon from Texas and wears a fedora all the time and has a goatee, and he is a complete asshat. That man <laughs> needed to be thrown overboard. Um, so this show is great. There's power struggles. People think they're they're better than what they are. Um, the captains, both Captain Lee and Captain Sandy, uh, they're like um, uh, adoring or or um, or uh, or stern parents. You know, like who they give love to, who they don't. Um, how they sort of settle disputes is, is interesting to watch. Uh, but it's just good, soapy, delicious television. Uh, goes great with a cocktail and a slice of pizza. So um, Below Deck ha- has kept us company uh, throughout much of quarantine, and I highly recommend it. Um, and uh, there's there's a, a meme that one of the – my last thing I'm going to say, there's a meme that comes from Below Deck Med. And on the radio, when you call someone else on a super yacht, you see you say their name twice – and then your name to indicate. So if I was, you know, radioing down to Brian, say, Brian, Brian, Mitch, and then Brian would say, yep, Brian here, or Mitch, Mitch, Brian, yes, yeah, I'm coming up, or like, I'm bringing the clean towels, or like, yes, I'll grab the vomit squeegee. Um, but so in one of the episodes, <laughs> there's a young, a young uh, stewardess named June who's just, it's as if she's just always huffing glue off camera. Her, her, her eyes barely work, uh, her, her, her voice is like fading and quiet and the mate the chief stew hannah just says june june hannah june june hannah and she has an australian accent but she says it so much that it starts to sound like a piece of music rather than language um <laughs> and, and you can find it on t-shirts and mugs all over the internet now so but yeah below deck or below deck med either one check it out uh, it's delightful thank you very much guys um you can uh, ship the trophy to my house um <laughs> 1600 uh, West Addison. Thank you. No, I no, I did that wrong. Oh, Wait, ni- 900 West Addison? What is it? What's 10, the Wrigley? Uh, your way, your, the Wrigley Field address? I, 10, think, 60, I think it's 1060. 1060 West, 60 West Addison. 1060. Damn it. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Okay. Oh. oh, dear. Um, yep. Okay. I got to score these. Was there any trash TV? Did, did Nathan, did you watch any trash TV? Yeah. Any trash TV yeah. out there? The obvious. Because I got one. The obvious one. Go ahead. I watched Tiger King. That was as trashy as trash. Just <laughs> trash. Uh, I love that. Though. I mean, it was entertaining was, to no end. It was. I mean, my favorite moment is, and it's been memed a thousand times, but just the he, when some the 
person gets their arm bit off and then he goes and the first thing he does he goes and puts on his jacket his little jacket <laughs> yeah. with the like that shows there's a medical emergency happening so, and then saying yeah so everyone knows uh, saying i am never gonna financially recover from this and then when he could just he could just close everything up he could just close everything but instead he goes to all of the patrons who are there and explains the violent horrible act that had just transpired <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but I don't want to turn this into a Tiger King thing because yeah. we we tastefully have avoided it till this yes, point. Yes, we have. <laughs> yes, <laughs> mine has been addicted to uh, not ninety day fiance, but oh. my ninety day single life. So it's the people who <laughs> failed in their marriages now trying to find love again. <laughs> so that is what we've been addicted to. And I know while Nathan's calculating points here, yeah. Mitch, you and I both did a little bit of a Netflix deep dive. Did you find out what your first movies were? Oh no, I, I requested I, I requested my my data, but they, I hasn't I haven't received it yet. So unfortunately, okay. So know. in my research for trying to find it, I downloaded my entire viewing history of Netflix streaming, yeah. and one, two, three, four, five. These are the first six movies I streamed in two thousand eight. Uh, my first choice, I didn't think, La Via and Rose, I did not think would make oh, the list. Wow. Uh, then followed by National Lampoon's Dorm Days 2. <laughs> <laughs> the Italian Job, Philadelphia, Philadelphia. Mean Girls, <laughs> and Volcano, the Tommy Lee Jones and H vehicle, <laughs> where a volcano erupts in downtown LA. Oh my God. What a what a plethora of genres. Wow. <laughs> you, you you clearly watch Dorm Days too, and you're like, I gotta, I gotta watch some film, you know? Philadelphia, here we come. And then yeah. I wish I told you how long you watched it, because it was probably like 30 seconds. Like this. Well, I, I looked at mine after you, you'd mentioned this, and mine was nothing. Uh it was like 80% just the greatest piece of quarantine media. The Last Dance, featuring Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Phil Jackson, Dennis Rodman, Tony Kukoc, and Steve Kerr. Uh, yes, with with cameos by Larry Bird and Charles Barkley and Bill Murray and President Barack Obama. Um, anyways. <laughs> Reggie Miller cameo was in there, too. The I, I think Reggie Miller was in that as well. Yes, yes. Well, you, you did you did get a three-point deduction for your uh, your Reggie Miller uh, flaunting Indiana Pacers documentary uh Parody there. That was the that final was never jig. Gonna... The final jig was great. Are you kidding me? <laughs> that was that was I a minus for you. Extra for the Indiana Corn Network just to watch that puppy. That was incredible. <laughs> Indiana Corn. You, you did you did get a plus one for working some last dance terminology into your uh, number uh, one, which I gave I gave you two points for. I was disgusted by all of it, but then that catchphrase at the end won me over, so you got two points. Brian, I'm giving you three points for sound of metal. Seems like a legitimate piece of art. So <laughs> there we go. And you also got the quick math bonus. So in the end, Mitch scored nine. Brian scored thirteen. Oh. Brian is today's winner. Mitch just couldn't now, couldn't help himself. Couldn't help needling at me for my Michael Jordan obsession. <laughs> he couldn't help himself. <laughs> but anyways, that is the end of the game, and all that is left to do is for me to reveal my top five ways my apartment is messy. And boys, I'm gonna I'm gonna need your help on this. Just follow my lead. I think you'll know what to do. Okay. Number five, my apartment is so messy. How, How messy? messy is it? It's so messy that when friends dropped in for a surprise visit and saw the state of my living room, I had to call 911 and report a burglary just to cover my tracks. <laughs> Where's that rim Num shot? Get that rim shot in there. <laughs> 
<laughs> Number four. My apartment is so messy. How, How messy, messy is, is it? it? It's so messy that when I was looking for my lost car keys in the bedroom, I found the car instead. <laughs> Woo! Number three. My apartment is so messy. How messy? How messy is it? It's so messy. When my friend asked to borrow a winter coat, they were shocked that the first place I looked wasn't the closet, but this crisper drawer in the fridge. And I was right. (laughs) 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 Number two. My apartment is so messy. How How messy messy is it? it? It's so messy. That you are dirtier after you get out of the shower than when you got in. Oh, that's scummy, Rio. baby. Woo. And number one, my apartment is so messy. How messy, How is, messy it? is it? It's so messy that if I died, my family would be sad. But they'd be more sad when they came to get my stuff and saw how I'd lived. Oh. Darn! <laughs> Make a crime show about it! Yeah! And that's this week's edition of Uber Seco. Joining me has been the main entity from UBK Towers in Berwyn, Illinois. Brian Ertz. And I know he's in a hurry to go because he has some homemade Asiago lemon thyme shortbread dog biscuits in the oven from the Southport <laughs> Corridor in Chicago is... Mitch Brinkman. <laughs> and I'm Nathan Hennenfent. As Bisbear always says, I forgot to write this joke too. Sorry, everybody. I'll be just saying an adios. <laughs> You've just listened to Uber Cinco, a production of UBK Studios. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your fine podcasts from. If you like what you hear and want to support the show, please visit our Patreon site at patreon.com slash UBK Studios. Every little bit helps us keep the lights on and the bill collectors at bay. Keep tabs on us on all the social media at UBK Studios, and most importantly, subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can see that we really are just a bunch of good Midwestern boys. Yeah.